So, hey, you know what time it is? That's right. It's another time for an episode of Angular Air. Cue the music. Wait, what? We ain't got no music? <laughs> All right. Well, we got me. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And we got this sweet episode. We're going to be talking about and cooking up some data visualization with Angular. We're going to take a few scoops of SVG, pinch of D3, make some magic happen. Our panelists on today's show, we've got Mike Brocky. Hey, Mike, they ever, uh, you ever go by Michael or Mikey, or is it just Mike all day, every day? Actually, most people uh, ever since uh, the start of college don't even know me by Mike. Everybody knows me by either Brocky or Brocko or Broccoli, whatever. Uh, but not many people know me by Mike. So I, I respond to just about anything. So We're Dude good. with the face. Oh. Yeah, I'm that dude with the face. A dude with the face. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Glad to have you here. Uh, we also have Alyssa Nicole. Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, doing good. Cool. And Olivier Combs joining us as a panelist as well. Hi. All right. And our guests on today's show, uh, they're the creators of and the contributors to the NG2D3 library out there. We've got Marjan. Marjan, how's it going? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me. And then we got our regular panelists, now turned guests for the show, Austin McDaniel, NG Panda. What's going on, Austin? How's it going, everybody? Excited to talk about this. All right. So let's get right into it. Uh, let's talk about what is this NG2D3 library that you guys got going on? It is like the unicorn for data visualization with Angular. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but in all seriously, Angular uh, NG2D3 is a data visualization library uh, where Angular 2 actually does the drawing of the SVGs. And we also say D3 there at the end because D3, we actually use D3 under the hood. It's got a lot of great utilities and all kinds of sweet goodness around scales and that type of thing that are really powerful that we were able to take advantage of too. It's, it's pretty awesome because <laughs> uh, it uses, like I said, it uses Angular 2 to be able to paint, you know, the whole screen, so the SVG. So if you're doing that and you're using Angular kind of as like a platform for that type of thing, you get Angular's awesome bindings and template engine. You can start using AOT. Um, eventually, we'll be able to do universal and server-side rendering. But the biggest thing that I think it does is it helps you to create reusable components uh, of data visualization um, like you do toggle buttons or input forms today. And you can really, you know, once you start abstracting that, right, like oh I've got a bar chart, and, you know, every little bar is just another component, you can do some really cool things in building out like a library like this um, and it really becomes powerful because people can start taking it and building their own visualizations really easily. If I kind of look at like what D3 is, um, I kind of, it's, it's really powerful and a lot of people, um, you know, really like it, but it's actually pretty hard to create data visualizations in, right? Like, um, I kind of like to think of it as like the jQuery for data viz. <laughs> That's just how I think of it. Um, and, and like so, I said, so let's talk a little bit about like 
what is why data visualization? Like, why why do we need this? Like, what what is what are we trying to do here with this data visualization? What's missing? What are we trying to fill here? Yeah, everyone needs pretty bar charts and pies and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of value for being able to show uh, you know business people and and you know end users you know their data instead of it being in a table in some type of you know chart or something like that. Right, but there's a few other libraries out there like uh, Chart.js and Google Charts that allow you to create charts as well. What uh, is it that prompted you to not just say, hey, I'll use one of those, but I actually want to grow one on my own. What was the precipice for that? Be the crazy person that decides to roll their own like chart framework. It's um, a great question. And I really... Uh, you know, when we started this, we actually have been building this library for about um, three years and recently decided to open source it. And when we started looking at that, there, there was a ton of, you know, open source tools out there and commercial tools. None of them really use Angular under the hood, though, right? And they all kind of built their own little framework, you know, whether it's, you know, initializing new JavaScript objects or e even some, you know, really fancy ones built kind of their own template language. It was kind of all their own framework. And that's great, except for that's more learning curve for your developers. That's more maintenance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you still want to be able to, you end up with all these like awkward interrupt, right? Like uh, if I had a penny for every high charts Angular wrapper, that just transposed a bunch of values back and forth. I'd be a millionaire. And then yeah, like, it's so great until we, have to, until we have to customize something for our own needs. That's when it gets hard. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like, here you go. If this doesn't work, then sayonara, right? And we really want Plus, it's also, it's also native, right? I mean, at this point, you're like going in and specifically making this for an Angular application. So you get a lot of things from that with like uh, dealing with change detection and all those other things that you're trying to, you don't have to deal with with trying to bring in a third party library that doesn't play nice with that, right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, if, you, if you're really, um, you know, on the uh, principles, using libraries like that, like when you use jQuery with Angular, like that, that kind of violates like a DOM uh, policy, right? Like, Nothing besides Angular or React, for that matter, whether one or two or whatever that may be, should be touching the DOM outside of Angular, because then you get like this inner, this weird, like awkward state, and it's easy for things to get messed up, lose bindings, all that type of stuff. So, this is really native. When I when we uh, I, I did mention that this has actually been in, uh, we actually been using this for three years. And I finally talked my boss into letting us open source it. I was like, oh, that'd be so awesome. Um, and, you know, so as a result, this has actually been in production and being used, kind of the core code base for the past three years. Now, you're probably like, what? Angular 2 wasn't back then. Um, and it's kind of had its own little evolution, right? So we started off with this, like, library called d3.chart. And it is basically just like a, a widget organization library for D3, right? It just helps you organize your stuff, but it doesn't really give you like the expressiveness that you want. And then somewhat controversial, we moved it into React. So <clears throat> we actually had Angular 1 and React going side by side and it worked really well. Um, 
but we're a big Angular shop. So we, uh, you know, when Angular 2 came out and we were feeling pretty confident about it, we wanted to make the move and uh, we decided to migrate it. It was actually pretty easy to migrate um, because they kind of have the, both of them have the same component pattern. So, Marion, any, any comments? Yeah, at one point, at one point we had Angular 1, Angular 2, and React running inside the application. That's, that wasn't too pretty. So we decided to, to remove React and migrate everything to, to Angular 2. Marion did it in like a So day. right now, <laughs> yeah, that's really what. Uh, yeah, so now we have Angular 1 and Angular 2 running with ng-upgrade and our charts are, are both rendering in Angular 1 pages as well, so it's working fine. Hey, so I got a quick question, a little bit of side, but you said you started it internally and then you open sourced it. Um, without getting too much into detail, was it like um, you took your repo that you had and just kind of moved it to public and, and GitHub, or was there a lot of other work there? I mean, did you you know keep all those changes in history of stuff, or kind of how did you approach that? It was built into our application, right? So we extracted that and into a separate repo and open source it. But it was originally written in Triangular 2, but not with TypeScript. So we, we got a lot of help from Olivier with that, like, translating it to, to TypeScript. And, you know, one of the other things, you know, when you're building it uh, for, like, yourself, like, you kind of mix some of the data and some of the view components and it kind of gets a little foggy. So we actually had to refactor kind of our data flow there as well. Right. But then, that might uh, take dividends within your, within the application itself, correct? Yeah. And then we, yeah. yeah. So you had this running as part of your application code. So when you, ex is that correct? Sure. And so then you, when you extracted it, you had to do all the things like, okay, now I'm thinking about, I'm going to bring this in as a node module as another package. Now I've got to add the bits for that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> no, I think that'd be a, maybe we should earmark a, a future episode where we talk to people about the experience of deciding to go open source with some of your existing code and how you get there. But that might be a cool topic. Okay. So back onto the, Folks, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, what, uh, you know, just kind of on the uh, React Angular kind of topic, um, it is worth noting, like, uh, that conversion was pretty easy. And one cool thing that Angular 2 gave us over React was the uh, event emitters and the output streams. That was really nice. Um, before we had to actually, like, bring in Node, we actually, like, brought in Node's event emitter to do synthetic type events. And so with Angular having that kind of out of the box. That was really cool. Marion, do you want to show them a, a demo or something? Sure. Let me just share my screen. All right. Let me guys know. Let me see. Let me uh, queue you up here. Okay. Everyone see? Okay. Yep. So what are we looking at here? All right. So we're looking at the demo page for the NGTD3 project. Uh, right now we're rendering a, 
our chart. Uh, got some data here. On the left side, you can see the options. You can choose your charts to go through all of the charts we have in the library. Uh, so yeah, the bar chart uh, has, data format is over there. It says, takes a single series of data, this one in particular. And then we have an option to uh, set the dimensions, or if you don't do that, you can uh, make it to fit the whole container. Uh, you can change the color schemes. You can uh, toggle other options. I'll go through each and every one of those. So you can like toggle the x-axis, the y-axis, and you see the chart like resizes uh, to fill the, the available space that it has. Show on high grid lines. All of this is configurable as inputs to the, to the chart and components. Level. You can use gradient instead of solid colors. Show or hide the legend. And the axis levels as well. And yeah, that's for the, the bar chart. Now we have the, each version of the bar, bar charts has a horizontal and vertical version. So this is the horizontal version of the single bar chart. And then we have it, the group bar chart, which takes a different, slightly different data format where it's a group series. And this one has all the groups on the bottom and then you have the individual items in the group side by side. Other than that, you can stack them on top of each other. Uh, or show them normalized, like each segment being the uh, relative to the whole, to the whole uh, total sum. Uh, so the options for the bar charts are pretty much the same. Then, so we can go over to pie charts. We got standard pie chart where you can again use gradients, legends, and you can show or hide the labels. One thing that um, you didn't mention is. Those labels are bananas nuts to make them fit on the screen all the time, right? So uh, that's one thing that like we actually spent quite a bit of time on, and it's it's really cool. And you know, if you have the labels, it actually does like collision detection and knows how to rotate them and spin them around based on the available width and screen distribution. That is really cool. It right. took so, us a long time. That is incredible. Yeah, so yeah. If you look at the, at the labels on the x-axis here, and if I start resizing it, at the moment where they should overlap, they will go, they will start rotating, so they don't, they never overlap each other, and the angle will increase as, as I make this smaller and smaller. I assume you do have a limit, though. You can't just put a paragraph there, right? Right. This, this is a SVG text element. It's not, uh, it's not a paragraph. It actually um, truncates if it gets too crazy. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, yes. The length, length is also truncated. Uh, and if you go low enough, like, they will start removing some of them. See, it, it removed every second one of them, so there is never overlap. Yeah, I, I like this video so much that I stole it and use it in our, in our graphs at work because we use these three graphs as well. So yeah, this I is one of the feature. This. One of the feature we developed over the past three years, <laughs> building charging engines. So uh, these are some of the things where we think about as developers, and we're building our application, and we go, "Look, why would we want to bring in a third-party library? Why would we want to use some other type of thing in our project?" Right? Just oh, things yeah. like this. We had an earlier show where we talked about the the data tables project that you guys have, and it, these are things where, like, these projects are something that. All these details have been 
addressed. They've been laid out. They're, they're doing all this work that if you do on your own, you, you got a long ways to go, a lot of code to do to take that on. And, and you can leverage all this stuff without having to do all that work. And it's kind of hard sometimes to see. It's cool that we're getting to see a demo of this and you're explaining this because you don't always get to see the, these little finite details from a library when you first check it out. But the, when these things are there, it really makes that library shine. It makes it almost a no-brainer that you want to leverage that in your applications. Everyone yeah. forgets about the labels <laughs> until you're, you're sent a screenshot from your boss. It's like, why are these labels overlapping on my like small monitor on my laptop? And it's like, ah, and then it like pound and it, it, you just end up with this like crazy label system. And it, I, Marion had, has done a great job at that. Like that is, it's impressive. Yeah, at the beginning, we were very naive and started building this. I mean, how complex would it be to build a bar chart? But then you start thinking about, oh, it needs to, to resize. It needs to not overlap and all of that stuff, grouping. Like, and it gets, it gets complex pretty quick. Yeah, for a long time, my, my answer to that was when my boss was asking, why do the label overlaps? I was saying, well, uh, we can truncate, but there's no way to to fix this otherwise. Or we have to limit the number of items. But yeah. Show them some of the other chart types. Yeah, let's go to the pie chart. So standard pie chart, as I said, like we have this feature, which is, if you look at these three, it's not obvious which one is the bigger one, right? Which one is the biggest out of them. But then we have this explode slices, which option, which like uh, changes the radius relative to how the value of the element so it makes it really obvious which one of the trees is the biggest one right so that's it's very useful item to have and uh, it's just pretty it's also pretty yeah and then we have the donut option right we have other versions of the part of the pie charts like the advanced pie charts with a slight advanced legend which shows more information inside here and then uh the a grid of pie charts which shows the individual chart for each value, each item in your, in your data, and it adapts the layout to, to the still available space. Uh, so the markup for that particular one with the uh, separate charts, are you then just dropping a single pie chart and dropping data and just configuring it to say, hey, show each one separately? Yeah. We're, we're using the ARC components, like the, the, these components here is a separate one, with, but yeah, these are a series of, of arcs, basically, and the layout is calculated based on the height and width and the minimum, uh, minimum width and height that each one should have. So, so the layout is calculated. This is, yeah, all of this is, a, is SVG. This is all SVG elements. He'll show you um, how that control composition actually comes together here later on in the demo. So right. if... If we use this yeah. library, um, is it the these components that we're seeing that we're getting, obviously? Um, but it, do we also get like the, that menu system on the side that we could use for people to con control these, or is that just something for the demo here? No, but this this demo page is committed to the repository, so you can reuse all the code if you want to. We actually have, you know, um, it, this doesn't kind of let you put data in or anything like that, and so. Um, it, it's it's mainly for the purposes of showing you like all the different ways that you can you know show the charts and things like that. We've actually talked about adding 
adding the ability for people just to drop data in there as well. Um, in our implementation of this in our app, which I'll show later, um, we actually have like some similar functionality that allows users to toggle these options on and off. Um, cool. and, um, when you know, we're talking SPD here and stuff, so are we talking compatibility across different browsers and devices, stuff like that? We kind of set and just drop and, and play? Yes. Yeah, for the most part it is. Um, I'm not supporting IE9, IE8, or anything like that, but um, uh, in terms of browser compatibility, it, it should work. Um, we're Like I said, we're using it in our app and have for a while, so um, no complaints there. Cool. And what, um, so you write most of the DOM with Angular. Uh, what do you use D3 for? Right, so we use D3 for scales, uh, for paths, for shapes, all that calculation. We use it for brushes, for zooming in, as, as we'll show here on the, on the line chart. Uh, next, well, basically a lot of the stuff except uh, for direct DOM manipulation, even though we use that in special cases. For example, some of the animations are not possible to be done with the animation framework of Angular as it is right now because we cannot really use the component state in the animations, in Angular animations at the moment. I know that's coming soon, so I'm really excited about that. So when it comes, we'll hopefully we'll be able to move, move away from D3, using D3 transitions. I have a but, tweet every day that just message Angular team, when is that going <laughs> to land? <laughs> yeah, I so for example... You're, you're not writing the SVG out or using something, you're using like D3 to generate the SVGs? Like, no, no, that's all Angular. Yeah. We'll, we'll show the code later on. It's in the templates. Uh, yeah, for example, the pie charts, like the this interpolation here, the pie sizing up, this cannot be done with Angular. I don't know how to do it with Angular right now. So we're using D3 for that. Uh, let's move Johnson. to the line charts. Yeah, well, one thing cool about the line chart is... Um, in these like multi-series things, so if you hover it, um, you can actually see, you know, all the values for that specific like drop value. But you can also, if you hover the little orb, you can see that specific value as well, which is pretty cool. I think you can also you can also make them a little prettier if you do some of the line interpolation. Yeah, so D3 has a lot of great uh, curve functions which do a lot of, uh, which do line interpolation. So you can just pass a bunch of points to them and they output, they'll return you an SVG path which you can show. So for example, for the same points that I have here on the chart, I can do different kinds of line interpolation. So linear, you can see this is the most sharp one, right? And then you can do a monotone X which is more smoother, then go even more. These are all functions that D3 provides, and you can pass them as an input to the, to the chart. Can you over over the legend and so that it, uh, it highlights the element in the graph? Uh, no, it does. It does. Okay. That's on the bar chart, sorry. Yeah, here, if you notice it, it does. I just, I just pushed that this morning, and apparently yeah. I've got something else, too. <laughs> Yeah, Austin wanted to get that in before the level. Cool. Right, so on the line chart, 
Another thing we have is this auto scale feature. So for example, a lot of the time, the, the all of your values are going to be in the high numbers, for example, like above two, 2050 up to like 3000, let's say. And what you'll end up, if, if, you, if you scale, if your Y scale starts from zero, you'll end up with all of your lines being near the top of the chart and you have a lot of unused space on the bottom. So we added an auto scale to just uh, limit that uh, scale from the minimum value to the maximum value that your data has. So you can do that as well. And it's actually, then we that's actually like semi-controversial in the database community because you can skew values if you're doing things like that. All right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in here, the difference between this and this will look much, much higher than, than here, for example, which is the real difference, right? Uh, but yeah. Uh, we also have the, the timeline option, which uses the brush to, to zoom in on parts of the chart. Controls the domain. I'm sure you've seen this in other charts, but we have it as well. And yeah, line interpolation. And in addition to lines, we have an area chart. We have a stacked area chart where each area is on top of each other. And then normalized area charts, which are all percentages of the holding. I'll have these same same options. Uh, another chart we did is a force-directed graph. Actually, you can you can visualize graph data. Now the data for this is a little different. It's generated uh, generated in the demo page, so we don't have it here. But what you can do with this is pass it uh, pass it a custom Angular template for each node and the edge. So you can completely customize the way your nodes and edges look. Someone from the community actually committed this, so that was yes. really awesome. Yeah, this was a pull request. Uh, we have a heat map. Let's just pick a better color scheme, which is a linear one. Yeah, so on this one, you'll notice like the the legend here changed to like a gradient, right? So in heat maps, you want to see, you know, you want to see like a rate or a gradient scale instead of just all the values stuck there. And then we have a tree map, uh, and you can use that. Like all of the charts, I didn't mention this. All of the elements are clickable, and they emit click events. Right? If you click on Italy, it will emit the value, the whole object. So what you can do here, for example, if you have a tiered uh, data here, a tree actually, and Italy has children inside of it. If you click on Italy, you can you can catch this uh, click event and change your data, and it will show like drill in and drill out of the chart. So we're actually doing that using it in an application like that. And that's true of all the different chart types, not just this? Yes, all of them All of them emit events, click events, even the legends. All charts. So you've shown us uh, quite a few uh, different um, charts that you have here, and you're gonna, you said you're going to show us uh, actually how to build them. So... Well, my question is, what happens if my uh, the business uh, users of my application have requested some sort of chart that you, by chance, don't have as part of your library? Do you have right. any way of accounting for that? Of course. Yeah, we, we export all of the components that are building blocks of these charts. We export them through the uh, NG2D3 module, and you can import that module into your, into your application and build a custom chart using those. Uh, those components. So, for example, if you want to customize on a part of the chart, you can just copy our, our implementation, remove stuff, uh, 
you got your own custom chart, or you can build one from scratch, whatever you use, just using our, our infrastructure that's already there. Uh, I can go through some code later on, pretty soon actually, I just can show two more charts and we'll, we'll move on to that. Uh, yeah, we have a number card, which is just cards with the value and, and uh, names, and then we have a gate chart. Oh. Go back. One thing to note, um, I just did this the other day. I was like pretty proud of it, right? So, you know, one thing that you don't think about is like, you know, how, how with like such a dynamic color scheme, how am I going to make like my numbers here look right on the right background that are totally fluid, right? And so there's all kinds of code throughout the library that, that does these little details, right? You know, there's actually color... Um, looks at what that scale is and does color inversion and it figures out if it should go darker or lighter based on like it's, it's scale to lightness or darkness. So there's all kinds of little bitty details across the app that do that type of stuff. And that, and that is um, great. Is there the ability to override that? If my uh, requirement is, Hey, I know that I have a dark gray, but I still want it to be black just for consistency based off of the design. Um, it's just CSS. Okay. Uh, yes, none of the CSS is uh, embedded into the charts. It's a separate file, which you can totally overwrite. So font sizes, font colors, font types, uh, the widths on certain elements, like the lines on the ticks, uh, grid lines, legends, all of that is customizable. For example, this dark dark theme is completely overridden from the light one. If you no, override the font, though, wouldn't that... Uh, like adjust all of your label math or does it only have to be like certain types of fonts that are allowed? No, we actually measure the labels. We measure the actual space that the labels take on NG after init. So as a side note, you, as a side note we, have not, we have not tested uh, simplified shinies or right to left or anything like that right. before he goes into that. Right, so we measure the space that the, the, the element takes once it's rendered. So it doesn't matter if what font or what size you're using to still work. That seems like it would be really slow, is it not? Like if it's constantly like checking, like what size are you, what size are you, what size are you? Like only, only after, after update, only after the initial render, it measures itself and then it emits an update to the, to the most parent chart so it recalculates the dimension. That's only once after, after the initial update. And it's all on push, so the whole component tree is on push. Yeah. Yeah, so what about a, a quick question on performance there, if I put a ton of charts on there? It should handle, handle it pretty well, ton of charts. The problem is ton of elements. Like uh, A problem that we currently have is on the line chart. If you have like 2,000 points or even more, each of them, each of those points will have a circle component for it, right? These are these are these circles in here are their own components, and they're all initialized when the chart is. Now, one thing we are we are working on to actually improve this is not not initialize them all at the same time at the beginning, but just those that are visible at the moment. So from here, only these five will be visible, not everything. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some things that you can do, right? Like, don't build dumb charts, right? <laughs> like, don't don't put a thousand, you know, x and y axis values on a bar chart, right? Uh, that are or, or you know that are categorical. 
um, you know, use dates and numbers, and it can automatically adjust based on those items. So it's important to remember, like, you have the same limitations that you do is like in DOM, you know, right? So you people build virtualized tables and virtualized lists and things like that. And there's a reason because lots of DOM is slow. Um, and so you just kind of keep that in mind as you're building these. So a little deeper dive into that really quick. When you guys thought about all those points as being components, did you consider maybe not making those components and making those just regular DOM elements for performance reasons, anything like that? Or did you kind of just ride with, okay, they're going to be components and, and we could hit that kind of issue? I mean, wanted to, go ahead. I, you kind of violate the, the DOM principle there. Like it's, it becomes unpredictable, right? If you're doing lots of bindings and things like that, it becomes unpredictable. And, you know, you can try to, the, I think the better approach instead of trying to make those like DOM, you know, traditional fragments and stuff is, is to be smarter about how you render them. And that's what we were talking about is we're working on better techniques, but kind of like a naive approach is, you know, you just throw them on there and you just kind of iterate from that. And that's one thing that we're working on. Cool. And then um, you talked about, uh, well, are, are these things um, observables in terms of the data that we can feed into them? And like that, that number of those number cards, are they something that, we can have observables going and feeding it data as it changes? I mean, it's on push. So um, if you just push in your observable with that async pipe, it should work fine. Yeah. So it's really if kind of just... like display components, and we're, we would just be responsible for feeding the inputs the new data. Right. Yes. You'll yeah. need to pass it on a unique data every time cool. to change it. Marion, you want to jump into the demos to show them how to build one of these? Sure. sure. Let me just... Yeah, I let's switch. This, I call this zero to bar chart hero. <laughs> you guys want to see it. the implementation or, or the custom charts? Let's start yes. off by just showing them, like, throw a chart on the screen, and then we'll, we'll do a little bit of implementation and then how to customize it. All right. I'll show, show my start screen then. Okay. That's out of the way. All right, so how this is a Angular CLI application. Uh, can you bump your font? Can I bump it? Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right, this is an Angular CLI implementation uh, an application, which is the latest version of ng 3 uh, The way you use the library is uh, get your app module. You import ng 3 module in there, add it in here. And then in your app component, you need to specify two things. One is the color scheme. It's an object with a domain, of, which is an array of colors. And then you need to define your data. For the bar chart, it's a single series data, same as the demo. And in your template, you only do the bar chart, bar vertical, or horizontal, or whatever you want to use. And then you pass it the view which is the width and the height of the chart. If you omit this, it will fit the entire screen or the entire parent element uh, of the chart. And then you pass the results, the color scheme, and everything else is optional. So you don't even need this. But if you want to show the axis, x-axis, y-axis, like the legend, the axis labels, gradients, all of that is an optional input that you can, you can add. 
So if I save this and open the demo, this is what it will look like out of the box. We got the. So what happens when if you want if you don't want this particular implementation of the bar chart and you want to change something? Very, very small thing, right? So you can, what you can do is you can create your own custom charts, right? I have a custom module uh, here. You have a, I think you have a special character in there after an app component, after y-axis equal true. Oh, or is that just me seeing? No. Okay. Right. Yeah, so you create your own custom component. Again, you import the ng2d3 model and with that, all of the uh, components are available to, for you to use. And then in your custom component, say we wanted to build a custom bar chart, right? What we do is we define our, I have this color scheme built in here. We define our X domain, Y domain, our scales, our dimensions, bits and height. One thing to note is that all charts, if you want to use the, the ability to uh, resize your charts, based on with the window resize and all that, you, you want to extend from the base chart component, although you don't have to. But if you want to add that extra infrastructure to already have there, you, you, you can. It's uh, pretty hacky right now because 2.3 doesn't, or 2.2 doesn't really allow you to extend yes. components, yes. but this is in 2.3, so. Correct. It's actually an abstract class right now. It's not, a, it's not an angular component of the base chart because extending component doesn't work very well with Angular right now and that dance in 2.3. So hopefully we'll be able to refactor a lot of that code in there. Uh, so yeah, you define your get scales, your scales, your domains, and then in your update function, you set the dimensions, you define your scale, set colors, and then in your template, uh, there, there's this element, which is a chart element, which I'll show over here actually. Uh, which creates the, the HTML ar around the chart. So it creates this diff element, has the width on it, gives it an initial fade in animation, then defines the SV, the parent, the container SVG element, and everything that you render in your charts is going to appear here. So all of the SVG code element is going to be here. And then you have the, your legends, the scale legend or the, or the normal legend on the, on the side of it. So that's what this chart container does, right? If you want to use that, use it, right? Got the options here to, to whether do you want to show the legend, uh, pass it the colors, the legend data for the legend items, and then the width and height. And inside, we want to render a, a vertical series of, of, of bars, right? So we have this series vertical component where we pass the scales, our colors, and the series, which is the data for the bars. Well it's, important, it's important to note here that those are SVG elements with components as attribute decorators there. So in SVG, it's like really important that everything has to be SVG, et cetera, and the hierarchy really matters. So we actually use um, attribute component selectors and then just decorate regular SVG objects. Have you also run into the camel casing matters with SVG? I was like building out custom SVG a while back and the browser was actually changing it from being like camel case. And so it was breaking. So I had to do some janky stuff mm -hmm. to like hard override it. So I didn't know if you ran into anything like that during your building out. Yeah. The, the biggest issue that I had was 
doing this, right? I could not define more components as, as just this series vertical, right? I had to do SVGG and then have this selector as a selector of the group. Angular doesn't allow like this. Hmm. I noticed you're also doing the colon syntax on SVG. Was that just preference or was that something you had? No, this is the namespace. You have to add it. You have to add the namespace. Gotcha. Yeah. You can do this part. So you can see... Uh, was that code coffee script? Is that why it was blowing up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, there's a reason why you need SVG column G. Uh, it's because uh, Angular will handle uh, SVG DOM differently from regular DOM. So he has to know that uh, this is SVG, so you have to to say SVG column G. Otherwise, it's just right. a custom element named G in HTML. Right, because there is a way to do SVG without the namespace specifically, like, like explicitly on each line, but I didn't know if it was because of Angular or some other reason that you had to say that. No, you have to in Angular. Too. Yeah, yeah because, outside of Angular, outside of Angular, this will work. Yeah, um, actually, it works if you don't embed um, component in it. If you have just one G, it works. But yes, 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 yes. That works yeah. fine in React, isn't it? Uh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because Angular two abstracts everything from the DOM, so he has to know it's not regular HTML. Yes, and your selectors will have to look like this. So it's actually a selector. Uh, so yeah, we can see the series vertical implementation in here, which is actually iterates over the, the results you sent it. And then it creates a bar, instantiates a bar component for each of them, passing it uh, all the properties. And then we have the bar component, which are the actual bars. And they're just a path, SVG path, with an optional uh, gradient. Now we, we don't direct here because we want it around the corners, so that's why we, we generate we generate the, the path for the for rectangular in here. But if you don't want rounded corners, it's it's much easier. You can just use a rectangle SVG rect element. They look nicer with the rounded corners, so it's nice uh, that you guys have abstracted that and we don't have to worry about it. So we get it for free. Oh, I agree. Yes. Do you want to? Yeah, show them what the, the custom bar chart that you built was here. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's just a series of bar charts. You don't, you don't see the axis in here, nothing else. So I'll just let me go to the component, comment this out. And this is my custom chart over here at the bottom. You can see I'm only passing the view and the results because I, I, I have the colors hard-coded inside the component, and this is what you get. Tooltips are built in, of course. I mean, so as well. <laughs> let's say that I want to make a chart with lines and bars. Is mm -hmm. it possible? It is possible, yes. Uh, yeah. So in addition to series vertical, you can just do line series. And you have a line series component, and you can stack them as matches. I mean, you can do whatever you need here, right? Your, and use a line series, which generates a series of, of, of a line, of points as well as the lines. So you can combine multiple different types of charts in your own custom chart, right? You just need to pass to, gen to make sure you generate the correct scales for them. For example, if your uh, scales for your bars are different for, than your scales from the, for the line chart you want to show, you need to generate them and pass them. 
correctly. Okay. Because, uh, it's not really possible. I think, was trying to, I think he was trying to get you the live code, Marion. Oh, no. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, show them, uh, let's show them, you know, what a bar chart actually is, right? Like, what goes into this? So, we, we export all these things for you to be able to build that. Can you make your screen bigger, please? Um, we export all these things so that you can customize this. But kind of under the hood, these are, again, these are all, um, you know, components. So, they're, they're all just kind of brought together using like control composition to make this whole thing. So you can customize it however you want, right? You, all the pieces are exported for you to be able to customize and use. Um, and they kind of just all come together. So if you kind of look at this bar chart here, he's got, um, you know, like bar vertical component. Where is that? And that's a chart. And we've got a couple like, um, scroll down a little bit. We've got a couple, um, like we've got a series vertical here. Yeah, we've got some axes, series verticals, and you know those are just you know more components that are kind of just compounded on each other, right? Yeah, from the, from yeah. the bar from the bar chart, you can go to series, and then the series go to the bar individual bar components, and like and the bars until, until you render the, the actual path. Yeah, and the bars reuse for all those different components, right? So whether it's vertical or yep. horizontal, it's the same bar. And you get this like awesome control composition to be able to build these like really complex charts, but in a way that you can, you know, very easily describe them and build them out um, once you kind of get a feel for it uh, instead of like that D3 style jQuery soup that you have. It makes building these charts like really easy. So I noticed that you guys don't have any prefixes on these component names. Are you planning to do that, or have you not hit any issues with people using them? And let's say I have a component in my project that's already named bar. Which one wins? Have you not hit that yet? That's a good the, point. Yeah, it's on the roadmap. We've started prefixing some of our other projects. Yeah, we're running into I mean, an issue with, with the legends, actually. I think Bootstrap has a legend component. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna actually be prefixing some of these out. It's just you've got to change it everywhere, <laughs> um, so it's it's a bigger change. Yep. So I had a uh, previous project that I worked on for a while that had a large charting component, and one of the requirements with that project was that my charts needed to look the same whether or not I was downloading a document, this uh, particular application generated PowerPoint slides. So the charts that they saw in the browser needed to look the same as they do in the document. Uh, so that brings me to the point of server-side rendering. Is that, you said that's coming in the future. Do you happen to have a roadmap when that might be included or uh, any when kind you of do a PR, with that? When you do a PR, it'll be there. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> No, there's there's actually a couple of roadblocks that we have that we can't actually do some of that um, yet. Uh, for instance, the animation stuff, right? Like we're relying on D3 a little bit now until we get the good animation library um, that we need from Angular. There's a couple pieces that are just really freaking complex to, to build out, like brushes that we haven't done yet. And those are just on the roadmap, right? Like the more we can right. do... Are you are you still in need of the animations uh, if there's not if they're not going to be interactive? 
Yeah, I, I, you still need animations, I feel like, um, even if they're not interactive, because uh, there's no way to, like, really decouple the draw from that um, type thing, right? Like, it's the thing that actually sets the height. So um, Marion can probably talk more about that. Right, you can, you can do without the animations. I mean, if, you, if there's able animations, you can just show that the finalized version. Uh, we haven't tested server-side rendering yet, but yeah, we're, we're planning to work on that. Excellent, we'll have you hopefully, on back uh, next week once, to talk about it. Yeah, hopefully once we get uh, support for using the chart states, the component states into the Angular animations, we'll be able to, to make a lot of progress on that. What would be the pattern for if we have to we have this chart on there and we want to load some data and we gotta make a server side call or API call and it's gonna take a little bit to come back? Like uh is there a strategy in there for that? Like we just put the component on there, um, wire up and just set the inputs and are these components gonna be ready to display themselves without data for a while, or how would we approach that? So the way we do it now in the application is we show a loading message, which is outside of the charting library while we're waiting for the response. And then once everything's ready, we just display that. Um, I don't, we don't have any placeholders built into the, the charting library. But yeah, that's a good, that's a good point to think about. Cool. So um, this thing is pretty cool. I mean, I think everybody's kind of agreeing that like there's so much stuff in here uh, already handled for us uh, all the way from the, the charts, the data, you know, handling all the way down this SVG and the details of that. I mean, people that have built components for, with SVGs and, and all this information kind of know what's gone into this. Pretty sweet. Uh, so what are some things that, uh, Upcoming, I'm assuming right now people can just start using this thing. Uh, you guys are going to be making changes, so we obviously will be adaptive to that. But what other things are coming up uh, that you guys want to add to this thing going forward? Oh, before we're yeah. done with the demos, I forgot. I've got a. I can actually show it to you uh, using it in our app. Yeah, let's do that. If I can pull up that, pull it up. <laughs> Yeah, so roadmap, what, what's next is planning to add more charts. We're, we're missing some charts which are commonly used at the like, uh, uh, scatterplot is a good candidate for that. So we'll be adding more, uh, more charts to the library and like, keep improving the, the components, improving performance for rendering and stuff. So, yeah. I'm still trying to pull it up. You can keep talking. <laughs> All right, let me know when you're ready. I'm going to take the spotlight off of you. So, <laughs> Okay, so more, more chart types coming. Um, we got Olivia mentioned plot chart. Yeah, I, I need to build this and make a PR. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, rather, I think, rather charts as well. Yeah, I think what's best is that uh, you can create a chart uh, using Angular, regular Angular elements or DOM elements, and just you just give the data and it works for all the charts. So you can decide to do a pie chart, and then you realize that it would look better as a 
as a as a bar chart or something, and you can change it really easily. So yeah. that's cool that you can do it like this. I think you don't have to to change your code or almost nothing of your code. How, uh, what's your approach for people contributing to this? Like, let's say they have an idea for some charts, or maybe they even want to um, add a chart themselves. Uh, you guys have a plan for that up on the library and on the GitHub repository, stuff like that? Well, they are accepting PRs right now. I mean, people have contributed charts like for, for directed chart as a PR uh, without have, there having been an issue out there for it. So, someone just created a chart, we, we gave them the guidance, how to use the infrastructure, and that's it. So this is actually what it looks like in our app here. So um, at Swinline, we build uh, cybersecurity automation uh, tooling. And um, one of the things that's pretty critical to this is um, you know, being able to report on the incidents so you can you know, make better decisions and see these things in real time. And so this is kind of what one of our dashboards actually looks like. And these are, this is in G2D3 here. So we've got all these various different entities that we can click on, and these charts can be built by users, right? So, um, and, it, and it just goes like, it, uh, it, each one of these points here, I can actually click on to find more information about like that particular entity, right? And I can pull up, you know, we've got this kind of bar chart builder here, or this builder here where you can actually construct these queries on the fly and, you know, set different options, and, you know, maybe I want to, you know, show this, you know, group by DNS and things like that. So um, this is this is what it looks like in a real-world application. That's all you get. <laughs> that, that's pretty killer. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, that about all those uh, admin dashboards that, people um, create on GitHub could really use this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You could even make a meta level that um, visualizes GitHub data as a dashboard. <laughs> yeah. Hackathon project idea. Yeah, really. Just uh, NPM install this package and the sky's the limit, right? Yep. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're hitting the end of the show here, or the end of the episode. Uh, any last things you want to add on the NG2D3 stuff before we get into picks and what's upcoming? No, we're just uh, – one of the things that we really want to do is uh, get I – mean, what we'd like to do is get designers involved as well, right? So um, I don't know any good tools that allows you to kind of reach out to designers to be involved in open source projects, that would be something. Uh, that would be something we'd like to hear, right? So you can always make data visualization look a little better. Um, and then, you know, our roadmap. If anyone has any, you know, suggestions or PRs, like we check it every day. We've got a Gitter channel. We're really involved with the community and really excited about, about the stuff that we're doing here. So sweet, sweet. Well, we are too, as application builders. Pretty excited to have this uh, library at at our disposal. So. Thanks a lot for uh, contributing that and making it available to all of us. So, all right, upcoming shows we got, or upcoming episodes, we've got our next one on education tech, should be pretty interesting, as well as a show, uh, an episode after that on techniques for testing. So be on the lookout for that in the next couple Tuesdays. 
And let's get to some tips and picks and wrap this show up, this episode up. Uh, Austin, what do you got for us for tips, picks? I, I think Brock and me did go first. Oh, okay. We can do that. Um, Michael? <laughs> oh, wow. I, who's that? Um, <laughs> real quick. So I have uh, two picks, uh, one technical, one not. Uh, first one technical, um, RxJS was announced yesterday that they're aiming to go live. Uh, non-beta, non-release candidate release, a final release of version 5.0 sometime next week time frame. So exciting to see that uh, finally land as final. Um, also, uh, I think it was yesterday or earlier this week, uh, James Kyle put out a Medium post about the open source community in general and being respectful of others and um, understanding that the people who have contributed to these projects have done a lot on their own time and their own um, efforts outside of work even um, to contribute, to respect them and treat people kindly online. Um, it's a really good read. I've, I'll uh, have the uh, link to the article in the show notes. And those are my two picks. Cool. Austin? I'm actually in the process of ordering an edgy cop ticket, but I'm going. I hope everyone else is. Hopefully I can meet you out there. Um, Component Lab is a new project uh, released by Mike Ryan. We had him on the show last week. It's a React storybook-like uh, component development and test library for Angular 2. It looks super awesome. Angular 2.3 is about to hit, so get ready. Inheritance of components and better mechanisms for dynamically injecting uh, components into different DOM tree structures. Cool. Olivier? Yeah, um, I just have one. Um, Victor Safkin and Jeff Cross uh, just left the Google team. Uh, but fear not, they are starting their own company, uh, which is named Nawal. And it's a company to bring support uh, from former uh, core members, support uh, for Angular 2. So if you are in need of Angular 2 support, you should definitely check this out because I don't know anyone else who could help you better than those two guys. So yeah, it's uh, nowal.io. Just remove all the vials. N-R-W-L.io. All right. All right, big news there. We'll definitely check that out. Um, Alyssa, you have anything? Yeah, I um, I got accepted at NG Cruise this upcoming season for a talk on animations in Angular. So definitely, if you can come, try to get on the boat. And then the other one is egghead.io. I recently started making courses for them and love it. So if you don't use it or you've never heard of it, egghead.io. Try it out. Sweet, sweet. And Marjan, you have anything? Uh, I just want to give a shout out to D3, uh, Mike Bosbach and the contributors out there. I mean, they're doing an amazing job. Uh, the latest version, they, they split the whole uh, framework into uh, 30 or so libraries. And yeah, they did a great job implementing all that the map so that we don't have to. Great, great. And then my last, my pick is just uh, Google Home, the device. I recently got some Samsung smart things hub set up in my house, got the Google Home set up, so I got some automation going on. It's pretty neat, so people can check that out. And just in case it's sitting by you, hey, Google, play Nickelback. 
I'm, I'm at work now, so I don't have it here. So you missed out. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a ton to our guests for joining us today and talking about NG2D3. Uh, everybody go out and use it. It's pretty killer. So have a good one. We'll see you next time. Later. Bye. Bye.